Welcome, listener. Close the shades. Light a candle. Brace yourself. The night is young, and a story awaits you. There is so much to tell. Without further ado, Friends of the Bone Chariot presents Welcome to Madawaska. It's March 21st, 1949. A black gate lines the grounds of Ord Manor. Untouched snow clings to the dead trees that litter the yard. A door on the east side of the house opens to a staircase. It leads up to a Victorian-style apartment. In the living room, there is a table in the corner. A card sits on that table. A single wilted rose lays between the letter and a bottle of Bordeaux. There are two glasses on the table. Oh, I start crying a little bit, and it gets ugly, the crying. <laughs> the card reads, Inez, to what comes next for us? Love, Stella. I just drink straight from the bottle of Bordeaux. And it's starting to get messy. <laughs> and chugging of Bordeaux. I sidle up next to you and I uh, I say, you know what goes great with the Bordeaux? I don't even say anything. I just reach in my pocket and I pull out a freshie. Fresh oyster. <laughs> Crack that bad boy open. I hand it to you. It tastes just like my tears, I say as I slurp up the massive warm oyster. I say, I'll be the judge of that. And then I, I take one of your tears and then I taste it. Yep. And I just sit back. <laughs> that has comforted me, actually. And I've settled down a bit. And now I'm just staring off towards the wall and clutching the note. There's a knock on the door. Hello? Expecting company? I'm, I'm sorry to bother you. And you can hear the voices, Vernon. Uh, come in! Oh, good morning. I'm, I'm sorry to bother you. I hastily cover up my tears and try and look presentable and hide the note. He sees the open bottle of wine and mutters it's a bit early. Look, I have to go to work. Uh, please make yourself at home. There's not much in the kitchen. Uh, there's plenty of restaurants in the area. Tang's is a new restaurant. Uh, for my tastes, it's far too spicy. So I've only eaten there once when we first moved here, but Stella raves about it. It's one of her favorite places. He starts to walk out as he gets to the door. Oh, and I almost forgot. Chris, uh, there was an envelope for you. Claude dropped it off this morning. Oh, great. And he hands you the envelope and he leaves. He's just saying I need to check on the old man, Zadok, at some point today to make sure he's still alive. Uh, okay. Hey, apparently uh, Zadok is uh, quite old. Yeah, everyone says he's ancient. Who sent you to, to cover for old Zadok? It was uh, Pelletier. He hired me um, based on a recommendation from his son in New York. What was he talking about with the uh, spicy food? Tang's palace. Let me look and see what's in the kitchen. Yes, I don't need to eat that much. Kind of fool. I just want to see what's in there. What's his idea of no food? <laughs> so you walk out of the apartment. It's very gray outside, but it's a little warmer than you might expect from March in Maine. He's very gray outside. Yes, like my soul. You go through the main door and you enter into the ward manor. So you're in the foyer. There's patterns all along the walls that seem to interweave. I find this house very symmetrical. I was going to say the same myself. 
The kitchen is kind of a granite mausoleum. There is not much. There's a bowl of fruit, uh, but it appears to be plastic. I have already bitten into a fake apple and one of my teeth is, is not doing so great. In the kitchen, you see some old crusty bread. It's on a tray with a can of open sardines that are, you know, finished. It looks to be Vernon's breakfast. <laughs> Do I spot any um, Tabasco sauce? So you open the fridge. There is one stick of butter, a bottle of Tabasco sauce, and a bottle of vinegar, and nothing else. Oh, feast. <laughs> what are you talking about? Exquisite. I think that we have got ourselves the makings of a decent oyster breakfast. Am I, am I right or am I right? Because we could take I, this vinegar cast on those oysters. I thought never say it. I, I just <laughs> explode out of everywhere. I say, hang on, let me get my bag. And then I run to the front where we just dropped our things when we got in there. Unzips and just <laughs> overflows with oysters. I am an artist. This is all I need for food and breakfast. My spirit and my artistic genius is what feeds me in the morning, as well as my love for... <gasps> you move into the library. There's two plush leather chairs. Uh, they look onto an ornate wooden desk. On the west wall, there's a fireplace, uh, well used, but it's currently cold and filled with ash. Above, there's a painting of a man and a woman, John S. Ward and Lucille Ward, dancing. The books on the shelf range from kind of more modern books to like ancient leather books. There a fireplace. Chris, as you look through the ashes, you can see that there's some pages. They look typewritten, little fragments of the pages. It looks like Stella's writing, maybe her fiction work, but you can't really make anything out. It's only phrases and words. It's unclear who burned the papers. I figured Claude Pelletier was lying. I think that Vernon probably killed Stella. But Vernon's my friend. He and I are old friends. I can't imagine him killing Stella. Could he? What makes you think that? Explain yourself. Why would he burn her writing after she goes missing? Maybe he didn't kill her. I'm jumping to a conclusion. But I don't think that they were a good couple. Well, I do not think they were a good couple either, but it does not mean that he killed her. Vernon is a nice, boring man, as far as I am concerned. It was a bad relationship. I remember this one time we went out to this restaurant in town when I was here for business, and it was a, a lovely evening until, of course, they broke out into an argument publicly there in front of people. The mayor, or the town manager, they had more musicians at the time. There are other musicians there, and uh, they all heard this argument. It was, a, it was a spectacle. What was they saying? Funny you should ask. Vernon was complaining that he... He was complaining that the veal wasn't to his liking and Stella was having none of that. And she called the chef over and the chef came and he says, Oh my God, I'm sorry. And <laughs> Vernon said, What is this bullshit veal? <laughs> and Stella says, Hang on. I'm trying to recall. I'm a little fuzzy. <laughs> and uh, I'm just so emotional. And Stella says, How dare you, Vernon? <laughs> Embarrass me in public <laughs> over dinner and veal. And I was there and I didn't know what to say. And Vernon stood up and he said, well, screw you and the veal. And he stands up and he stormed out of the restaurant. And I had to cover the tab. <laughs> this story does not make sense to me at all. It, it didn't make sense to me either. <laughs> uh, can I do a spot hidden on the desk? Absolutely. Uh, yes, that is successful. I am rifling through papers. As you kind of look through the papers on top of the desk, you find a tiny little key. Opening drawers. 
So in the top left drawer, there's some pens and writing materials, nothing out of the ordinary. Okay, right below. Uh, you pull out some empty notebooks, and then there's a takeout menu for Tang's Palace. I hold it out and throw it at Rose, and then look at the top right drawer. In the top right drawer, you find a business card. The business card is for De La Star's School of Languages. Their tagline is, we understand that you don't understand. Uh, and it looks to be a local business in Madawaska. I take the business card and throw it at Skiff, <laughs> and then I look at the drawer below that one. This is all feverish. That drawer is locked. <gasps> so you try the key, and sure enough, it clicks open, and you find a letter. My dearest flower, I think of you often. When we are apart, it is like I am consumed by you, almost more than when we are together. It is though time is elastic. It stretches so far when we are apart and pulls in tight when you are near. If only we could leave this wretched place together. Yes, I know you entertain no notions of leaving. Even so, I must dream of such a possibility. I will no longer play cards. This I can promise you. I've lost enough, and without you, I dread to think of what would have become of me because of my debts. <gasps> I assure you, I've kept a complete tally of what I owe you. Despite what you say, I will pay you back. You are a summer flower in the winter of my mind. I hope to see you tonight. Love, yours. This was written March 7th, 1949. Mm. I will no longer play cards. This I promise you. The poker ring upstairs at the bar. Yes, yeah, someone was in trouble for having big debt. We must find this person. And who is a flower, my dearest flower? I do not like any of this that I've found. Now, can I please look through the papers on the desk? On the top, uh, there's a drawing. Uh, it appears to be a large statue of some type, some kind of large tower with tentacles stretching out from it that reach out into the cloud. A mass of people are approaching it and bowing down, perhaps. Uh, beneath that drawing, you see a leather page. Ancient symbols adorn the thick, leathery page. A putrid sun looks out into the world through many eyes. A tower beside it, a scrap of paper attached, reads. The tower brings the rise of all seeing light, infinite. Those who wait rise to bring about the transformation. Hypothesis is that the tower is pre-Babylonian allegory of illicit knowledge. Doubtful that those who wait is meant literally. The next line above the two interweaving symbols is as follows. Sleep the eyes of the infinite, silence and darkness to the light. Interweaving symbols organized in Ipsium arrangement, no literal translation. Phonetic translation is as follows. Oh, I shall not be reading that out loud. It is probably a dark spell. Hypothesis regarding the meaning of the phonetic translation is some sort of incantation or ritual to open or close a door or gateway. Okay. Y'all, this is... Uh, I swear this at Kristoff. I don't want to touch that. This is a drag. Oh, it's, you are holding it. We should take this to De Lestard's uh, School of Languages. Ooh. Yes, that is a good idea, Rose. Good idea. That makes sense. Oh, it's very smart, yes. Is this walkable for us? If you wanted to rent a car, you could go to Pelletier's. Maybe Pelletier will give us something for free. I can charm him. Yes. I, could, I could rent us a car. 
Oh, oh. Or you could charm her for a free car anyway. I'll take it. That would be wonderful. Perhaps we go first to Pelletier. That sounds good to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're gonna trudge, trudge through the snow. <laughs> uh, Pelletier's is is not a far walk from where you are. I'd say it's about a half a mile to a mile. What time is it? It's about 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. It's still pretty early. You're, you're still looking at midday. Could use a walk. It's good for the lung. Yeah. Maybe I'll get inspired about life again. You walk down the driveway. You're on a street that looks down over the town. You see Fraser Papers. The mill is churning away. There's smokestacks kind of, you know, billowing into the gray sky. Inez, roll a sanity roll. I didn't make it. As you look out, you look at Madawaska Island, and you see a large silhouette of a tower stretching into the sky. Uh, you and you alone see that. As you stare at it, it seems to kind of dissolve as if you had imagined it there. You okay, Inez? No. Uh, I think I need another oyster, please, Skiff. I thought you'd never ask. I, I start slapping around my pockets. I got it. I found one. I pull, I pull it out. I give it to you. I slurp it down really quick, and then I uh, ask Christoph for the, the drawings that I handed him earlier. I pull it out of my jacket and hand it to Inez. So we're walking through town. Are there like woods around or a forest around or what is this walk like? The woods kind of more surround the town. There are many pine trees. There's still snow on the ground as well. Uh, But the roads are freshly cleared and it just seems to be like kind of a consistent snow that's on the ground as if like, you know, winter uh, when it hits in Maine, uh, especially Madawaska, it doesn't really dissipate until May. I'm an outdoorsman. We're outdoors. I'm just kind of glancing around. I'd like to see if I spot any footprints or if I notice maybe any like wildlife footprints. Absolutely. Why don't you uh, do a roll? Oh, it's a critical success. As you look around in kind of the surrounding woods, you see a surprising lack of tracks. It snowed a few days before you arrived, but most of it seems undisturbed, which is unusual. It also seems eerily quiet. Does anyone else notice the glaring lack of animal footprints? I'm getting a bad vibe. Something isn't sitting right. This doesn't look too natural. I'm feeling very uncomfortable because uh, this tower that we've seen, I feel that I've seen it now and the woods, I do not like. I'd like if we could walk faster, perhaps. You saw a tower? Yes, there was a tower. I don't... Where? Over there in the sky. Mm -hmm. Let's keep walking, please, please. I don't want to be outside. So you make your way through the town, and you can see Lucy's on your left. It's still too early. It's not really open. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) You can hear conversations that uh, people are expecting a storm tonight. Call it intuition of the locals for, like, living in the area. Or perhaps maybe they heard the weather report over the radio. Mm. So you arrive to Pelletier's Garage. Uh, There's a mechanic smoking a cigarette, uh, leaning against a wall. And he looks over, and he says, says, ah, afternoon. uh, How can I help you folks? I nudge Skiff. Tell him he wants a car. You were going to flirt with this guy. Okay. Uh, oh, hi. Oh, yes. yes, we're uh, uh, we we're here to inquire about renting a car, possibly. You see, we're visitors in town, and, uh, you know, some of the locals have uh, given us a heads up that there might be a bit of a storm this evening, so we wanted to make sure we had reliable transport. I'm going to try and charm him into a free car for us. If you want to charm him into a free car... <laughs> Uh, it's going to be an extreme difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I I was just barely successful. Excellent. With an extreme? No. No, like I didn't. My roll 
Like, he would maybe give us, like, a Coca-Cola. He does hold a cigarette out to you. Thank you. Uh, and he looks over at you, Chris, and he says, I know you. You know me? He says, look, my name's Teddy Picard. I don't really know you, but we have a, a mutual acquaintance. Yes, that makes more sense. I, I hear you're taking care of Zadok. Yes, I, I am here for hospice care of Zadok, Alan. You could take Zadok's car. You're his caretaker anyway. The man can't see. And even then when he can, he's blind drunk, which is why the car's here. So it's a little banged up, but, you know, she runs okay. That should be fine. Yes, uh, that would be great. I guess I did not need to try and charm him. <laughs> but I now have cigarette. This is being whispered under my breath to Skiff. Well, normally, I'd have you pay the full bill before I let you drive out of here. You know, since we're not really in the business of giving away cars. But, uh, Chris, seeing as you and I have a mutual acquaintance and our friend Mr. Pelletier there. Yeah. I'll let the car go. If, uh, you know, just, uh, just do me a little favor. Just drive down to the Gateway Motel. Just pick up an envelope from uh, Phil Sear. He's the owner. Guy with all the cats. Uh, just bring it back to me uh, tomorrow. If I have time, I get envelope and for you. But if I don't, I don't. I'm, just, no, no, it's, I'm not the errand boy. I hear over the so- shoulder, and I say, yes, yes, we will do this for you. Then there's just a hand creeps in between the both of them. <laughs> and on top of it, perched an oyster. And I wink at him. <laughs> I gave him the up down. I look, you know, check him out. All right, sounds uh, sounds good. I'll square up with Zadok later. So Teddy walks you over to the car. The car is scuffed uh, from a hundred fender benders. The bumper's welded on in several places, uh, and the windshield is covered in some sort of film that you can't seem to wipe away with your hand. And inside, it just luckily reeks of alcohol. Then he drops the keys in your hands, Chris, and he kind of looks you straight in the eyes for just a moment. And he looks the rest of you and he says, uh, and you have a nice day. Then he kind of nods, walks away. Before you get into car, uh, let me just take a quick look at this. It looks very old and dusty, a little banged up. Underneath the driver's side seat, uh, you can see a bottle of whiskey on the ground. Uh, it's drained. And just underneath the seat, it looks like you could see like a manila envelope just peeking out okay i take the bottle and i try to get any drag out of it then toss it aside and then i pull out the manila envelope so as you pull out the manila envelope it's soaking wet oh gross glued to the front of the manila envelope is a a drawing of a tower with wings as a man cowers before it yeah <laughs> inez is this something you're interested in oh my god uh I I do not like this. I'm getting... I need more food or something. I don't know. Do you want to open the envelope? I'm not quite uh, as versed in witchcraft as some of the others, maybe, but I sense that there's something about this that is not uh, of my understanding. Uh, if I can do a cult check on it. <laughs> I want to speak in your accent. <laughs> well. It's easier for me to understand when you speak the same way. <laughs> Speak as if I am you. Uh, uh, yes, that, that is a successful occult check. Uh, so I will open the manila folder. You open the manila folder and the pages, it looks to be there's a couple pages in there, but they're all have melted together with the whiskey. The page is handwritten. The symbol on the page translates to the siren. 
The eye above the feminine figure, draped in flesh, could be seen as related to the eyes of the infinite, given the text surrounding the siren. Rough translation is a horrible description of the siren calling the faithful, but the text becomes illegible as to where they are being called or to whom. The siren stands on an altar of human remains. Below the remains is an ipsium arrangement. It is a phonetic transcription as no English translation exists. I will not be reading the translation as it may be a dark spell. Curiously enough, the ipsium arrangement is alluded to as some sort of lullaby, although that word certainly isn't used. Uh, so you study the page. The patterns of the phonetic translation of the ipsium arrangement seem familiar, as though you've seen similar incantations before uh, while studying ancient occult texts on magic. Your previous studies would lead you to believe it's a command, perhaps to subdue or banish, uh, you know, given the context of the accompanying translation. Hmm. I do not think it is a good idea for me to read this out loud. Yes, I don't think that reading witchcraft is a good idea. So we have the text from the tower, and then we have this text as well to bring with us to the to School of Languages. Can we compare it to, in, uh, to Stella's handwritten note? Absolutely. I have that in my back pocket with a couple of tear stains on it. Somebody do a writing check. Yeah, let me do a writing check. Okay, it's successful. So the, the handwriting on the tower and the, um, the siren, they are the same handwriting. So they, whoever wrote these translations seems to be, have written both of them. Uh, but the handwriting on the letters is vastly different uh, than the handwriting on the letter from Stella. So you can conclude that Stella did not write these letters. I wonder why I was in Zedok's car. EM is sustained through your generous support and through the support of our local sponsors, such as Fraser Papers. Need to write something down? Why not use paper? That's Fraser Papers, the paper for writing. You are listening to WKTM 660. Madawaska's public radio station. Folks, spread the salt and strap those chains on your tires because heavy snowfall is in the forecast. Temperatures will climb to a high of 28 degrees and fall to lows just hovering above 16 degrees Fahrenheit. That's a high of negative 10 and a low of negative 30 degrees Celsius, I believe. And now for sports. Bobcats left to lick their wounds after a total whiteout by the blizzards. In what turned out to be a scoreless defeat, all nine Bobcat lives fell to the icy offense of the blizzards. Beast, zero. Nature, seven. Breaking news. Science predicts color TV technology available to the public within the next 40 years. For more, we turn to our special... We have so many errands to run. I thought we go. I thought we go to Dela Stards, and then we go to the Gateway. Yeah, I also have to check on Zadok at some point. Oh, <laughs> oh Zadok! <laughs> right, right, right. Perhaps Rose and I could go to Dela Stards, and the the boys could go to Zadok's with the car, and then you come pick us up. We go maybe go to the Gateway, and then we no, then we go then we go to the bar. Finally. Yes, exactly. Because sounds yes. great. 
You drive down the main street, you pull over, and you are dropped off at De La Scard's School of Languages. How long did that take to get there? <laughs> it took it took a good solid two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you pulled out, you took a left, you drove for a moment, and pulled like right over. <laughs> <laughs> Downtown is quite small. It is the principle of the thing. (laughs) Rose and Inez, uh, you walk into De La Starts. There's an empty classroom. uh, And there's a man, he's kind of like sitting at a a desk. Uh, His feet are up, he's reading a book. His feet are up? Yeah, he's just relaxing, he's reading a book. Uh, The appearance rating of this man is a solid 75. He's quite handsome. Ooh, intimidating, but intriguing. Uh, I'm going to approach him. Hello. Gentlemen. Oh, how may I help you? My companion and I are hoping you might be able to help us with some translation. Some translation? Oh, actually, fantastic. What kind of translation are you uh, are you here for? Inez, do you have the do you have the papers? Yeah, so I pull out uh, all the papers and I show him. And I'm a little bit shy and nervous, uh, sweaty, because he's a handsome man. Right? Should we not? I whisper. Y- yes. Yes. Okay. Show them both. And he looks at them and he kind of sits up in his seat and he kind of he says, well, where did you get these? One was from a desk and... The other's from a car. <laughs> the other from a car. <laughs> can, I, can I try and charm him to not ask us too many questions and just give us the information we want? Sure. Roll a charm. Oh, that is not... I, it was a fail... So I would say I accidentally breathed my oyster breath on him again. I lean in a bit too close and I say, Hey, if you don't mind just translating for us. He kind of recoils and he, I imagine you must have gotten this from Zadok or Stella, maybe. I'm backed away from him now, not quite as close to his face. I can tell you what I told the police. We cut to Skiff and Chris. Uh, they pull up to Zadok Allen's house. So Zadok Allen lives on the top floor of a two-family uh, house. You know, it looks like there's two buzzers, top floor, bottom floor, a door with a little glass window. You can kind of like look in. You can see a staircase that leads upstairs. And then another door to the left of that staircase, presumably the downstairs apartment. Zadok. Zadok. As you knock, uh, an elderly man comes out of the downstairs apartment. He's a scowl on his face, and he opens the door. He says, what? Are you Zedok Ellen? No. Are you here to take out the trash? Yes. Good. It stinks. He turns around, and he goes back into his apartment, shuts the door. I don't really want to take out trash, but um, we should go check on Zedok. As you climb the stairs, you smell a pungent, sour smell that grows stronger as you get to the top floor. Chris, you do have the keys to Zadok's apartment that was included in the envelope from Claude. In my experience with hospice work, I sometimes feel you should always be overprepared. So I prep my pistol in my jacket. And seeing Chris do that, I also prepare my 32 revolver just in case. I'm like, I wasn't expecting this, but okay. (laughs) Got my gun handy. You enter into Zadok's apartment and the rank smell of death assaults you. It's so thick. Roll a constitution check. I feel fine. I feel fine. All right, so you're able to kind of withhold the gagging. I've seen many dead bodies in the war. It's no problem. <laughs> but honestly, I've, I've, I've had worse batches of oysters than this smell, so this ain't that bad. <laughs> it just looks like a bomb has gone off in his apartment. The whole place is in ruins. 
do a spot hidden. I I just barely on the cusp <laughs> said something's going on. But in the kitchen, there are two glasses of whiskey. One is empty, overturned, and the other one still has the whiskey in the glass and there's lipstick on the rim. As you walk over to inspect the glass, you can see a leg protruding from the ruins. What did you tell the police? Yes, Stella, she contracted us for some translation work. It wasn't any kind of language I've come across, and I contracted that out. Who did you contract it out to? Uh, I'm sure you maybe you've heard him, Zadok Allen. He's. Mm. I have a lot of contacts at the University of Maine, where I got my degree, and you know I kind of told them about Zadok and how this man seems to just be just this wealth of knowledge. So a lot of times they'll send me over any kind of text or anything to kind of verify, and I contract the work out to Zadok. So when Stella came with these pages, she had a couple of them. I think there was six in total, is my understanding. I, you know, when was the last time you saw her, Jean? A week and a half, so a few days before she disappeared. Okay. So she'd give me a page, uh, then I would have Zadok translate it. I actually still have one of Zadok's his deliverables to her. She she hasn't picked it up. Obviously, she's. Is there any way we could see that? Look, I don't see what the harm is for you to just look at it. And all six pages were translated, including this one that you're going to give us now. He hands you the envelope, uh, and you open it up. On a leather parchment page, it's a multi-armed, amorphous monster and approaches a person reeling in horror amongst a wasteland of buildings in ruin. And you didn't find this uh, disturbing at all? (laughs) Rose, you read from the page? The translation is worse than I could have ever imagined. I dare not even write it out in fear of what it may bring to you in dreams. My own sleep is even more troubled now. The crux of it is this. After the call, the siren will reverberate the words to those who wait. The writing above the monster translates to the arrival. I must also confess another possible translation could be the rapture, given the context of the surrounding text. I don't know if I can continue the work. I thought to burn the page, but every time I near the flame, I cannot bear to burn such work. God help me, Zadok. Hmm. And Jean just steps back. What's what's to make of it? Do you think this was an incantation to call upon the rapture? Because I do. I got a feeling. <laughs> I'll grant you it's disturbing. Uh, so Jean, may I... I may, I'd like to ask you a favor, just because I know you know that Stella has gone missing. And um, Rose and I are both very close friends of Stella. That's why we are here. Now, uh, if you would not mind giving us this letter to take with us on our search for her, I think that would be very helpful in our continued search for Stella. I'm sure you want her to be as safe as we do. I can't give you the actual page, unfortunately. I can let you copy the translation. Anything you want to copy that, I'll let you, you know, take your time to do that. But it belongs to Stella. When the police came by, they said that Stella was, you know, with somebody and that she'll eventually kind of come back. It would not be good for business for me to let you just take it. You know, I, I understand, you, under, you understand my position, correct? I guess I do. Um, but I do have a degree in law. 
not disagree, but I've read, read. Uh, I would say it's a critical success of my use of the law against you. Uh, so can I try and... Uh, <laughs> can I try and... Okay. Lawyer myself into getting the copy. You can. What are you gonna say? Say, tell me what your, uh, tell me what your verbiage is. Here's the thing. The uh, law states. Here's the thing. I think you would uh, maybe be held in contempt of the court if anything bad were to happen to Stella. If per se she comes up, I don't know. If the worst were to happen to Stella and you did not help us, who, um, her dear family, I do not think it would shine well on you in a court of law. He says, okay, fine. I am fine to have you deliver these to Stella. I understand she sent you here to get them. Yes, precisely. Thank you very much. Absolutely. So he hands you the page. Holy shit, Chris. <laughs> My God, I have a question. Uh, can I tell if they are all decrepit man legs or beautiful woman legs? <laughs> they look to be old, sinewy legs with varicose veins protruding through the gray flesh. They just say this person's not an attractive young lady. <laughs> <laughs> you want to try to unearth the person? I mean, I am okay. I, 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 if I don't have a job, it's okay, you know. So, you're, so what you're saying is you're not too upset about just possibly <laughs> leaving this poor man under this rubble. Just so we're on the same page. <laughs> oh, he's still alive. I didn't know. I thought he was corpse. In all likelihood, he's dead. Yeah, this was I thinking. Yeah, this. Was, or so he's probably dead. So do you do you want to snoop and then just bail, or do we want to try to maybe unearth the dead body of what lies beneath the rubble? I mean, I'm fine with, we could move the rubble and see what, what got him. I feel like we got to poke him and see what's going on. We're, we're going to poke, <laughs> we're going to poke at it and move some rubble and stuff. Poke him with your oyster shock. Uh, so you poke the foot, it moves to your poke, but there's no other movement. I think this is sufficient enough for us to say this guy's dead. Let's, uh, do you want to tomb raid him right now? I'm always curious if he has any valuables in this. Well, of course. We're only reasonable. Since I've got the, the poker, I'm like, I, I try to leverage it to, like, flip a couple of bigger rocks off, but I just can't do it. I say, well, hold on. And then I put one foot on the pile, and I lean over and grab, like, the biggest rock that I assume is, like, probably where his torso would normally be. It's a pretty good indicating spot of how things are, you know. <laughs> just pick it. I'm going to try to heave it up. I wrap my scarf around my face just to avoid any splatter. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get on the other side of the big rock and I help him live. Roll a strength check. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm so strong! All of my strength! <laughs> I lived! <laughs> and, I, and I don't. I, I like... Why are you wiggling? <laughs> I'm in the oyster business, not the lifting business. So, Skiff, you try to lift off, uh, and you slide and knock over debris, and you are staring into Zadok Allen's dead face. Uh, roll a sanity roll. I definitely am shook. <laughs> his eyes are open. His teeth are black. Roll a 1d4. I'm so disturbed <laughs> by this disgusting corpse. Ah! 
He's only corpse of ancient man. Sorry, I'm not. I'll try to pull it together. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, you press down on his chest and there's like a gust of death wind that hits you straight in the face. <laughs> death wind? Stupid corpse. <laughs> okay, I say we get as much money and whiskey as we can out of this apartment and then leave and make it look as if we were not ever here. Agreed. I'm in. Let's get the hell out of this place after we rob it. <laughs> All right. Uh, roll a spot hidden. <laughs> I am poking around. So you search Zadok, uh, and in his coat, you can see uh, there's like a piece of paper on his inside pocket. On the paper. It's a check from the Delastard's language school for $13. Oh, that's quite a bit of money. $13, wow. And as you open up the check, another little piece of paper falls out from that. That is a to-do list, dated 316. What day is today, by the way? Today is the 21st. Okay. Hmm. To-do. Clean apartment, <laughs> uh, pick up car from Pelletiers, clean out the car, uh, and go to De La Starts. No, look, we did his to-do list today. <laughs> we did him a solid in the afterlife. It's a shame he couldn't clean his own apartment, though. This place is death. <laughs> <laughs> Clutched in his hand is a crumpled up parchment paper. Uh, there's another piece of paper attached to that uh, that looks torn. Okay, I don't pick it up directly. I use my scarf to pick it up. As you pull it, his fingers just break away. Rigor mortis has far since released. Uh, you uncurl the parchment. So it's an anthropomorphic creature. Arms raised in reverence. Uh, it kneels beneath an ancient symbol. Uh, the piece of paper that's attached is a translation, but the translation's torn away from what you can read on the scrap of paper. The symbols translate to the listener. There are inscriptions for a ritual. I dare not speak the words out loud. Phonetic description is as follows. But it's all torn away, it's illegible. You can look around his apartment. There's only one other room, it's a small apartment. There's his bedroom. Maybe a quick just once over of the place. Not too much in depth. Yes, I agree. You walk into his room, there's like a journal or some sort of book next to his bed and then nothing really else in there. I'm like, hey, look, I think I found the old man's journal. <laughs> he must have his inter intimate thoughts and secrets in there. Dear diary, today I'm going to get crumbled by rocks. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> On March 15th, he says, no more. I saw Dallas Dard at Lucy's earlier this evening and told him I would translate no more. He was unwilling to take me to the school to pick up the work I had already completed, telling me it could wait until the morning. He's a good man, unaware of the foul work he's embroiled in. I'll destroy the copies in the car and put all of this behind me. Hmm, I see. That explains a little bit the, the thing we found in the car. Okay. Yeah, well, I think we... I kind of feel bad about invading this this guy's private space. Maybe we should... We should leave, yes. Maybe we, maybe we should leave. We start to boogie. We, like, try to tidy up so it makes it look like we were never there. Yes, you know. cover our checks. Which involves us throwing a rock back onto Zadok Allen. Makes a big All right, our work here is done. <laughs> you pull up the Dallas starts, and Rose and Enos come out. Hello, boys. Give me oyster, please. Skiff. Of course, of course. Hold on. Sorry. Look what we found. I throw I throw the thing that we retrieved at Chris. Careful now. <laughs> I shuck a, an oyster and I hand it to you and I say, if it's got a weird smell, 
Once we tell you what we just saw, you'll understand why. And then I give it to you. I smell it and I go, ooh, ooh. And then I toss it back anyways and... <laughs> <laughs> You're a powerful oyster person, I see. Uh, and then I like just nod and respect. How do y'all feel about getting a drink, heading to Lucy's? I need a, I need a drink. See, here's the thing. I, I need a fucking drink too. <laughs> but I think we need what we need to do is a favor for that guy we got the car from so that we can get into that gambling ring. Oh yes, this this stupid mafia. I know. I, I I want the drink. I want <laughs> the drink as much as you do. But luckily we have a car and it's like only about five minutes, I think. Yes, why don't we let's just do a drive by barrel and be like, give us the envelope now and then go. All right, I, I I'm all I'm in for that. I'm in. Uh, does any is there any alcohol in the car we can give to Rose right now? Can I can I rifle through the trunk or something? You can absolutely rifle for the trunk. As you kind of search around, you do find a brown bottle. Uh, when you smell it, it is ripe. Rosa, Rose, if you want to, here you go. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and open my bag, take out a cigarette. That's a girl. Give it a drag, and then I'm going to knock back whatever mystery booze this is. <laughs> not good, not good. <laughs> uh, who's driving the car? I could be driving. Uh, Skiff, let's go, please. <laughs> You pull into the parking lot of the Gateway Motel. It's a strip of a motel. Doors open to the parking lot. Oh, that's a motel. It's a big motel. It's a big motel. There's really um, almost no cars in the parking lot except for one. It looks like an old beat-up pickup truck. Right when you pull in, as you get out of the car, a man comes outside. He says, oh, hello, and he's holding a bunch of cats. Hello. I like this man. <laughs> he does honest work. He's swaying a little bit. He's wearing a red tie and a red cardigan and red shoes, <sighs> and he smells quite bad. It smells like a mixture of B.O. and cat urine, and uh, he drops his cat. <laughs> Would you like a room? Uh, no, I need an envelope. An envelope from for, for what? young chap who works at the uh, automobile store he wants me to pick up envelope for him from you but his eyes raise and he's really he's like, oh, oh absolutely say say no more my friend hey say no more hey real quick look i want to know what's going on what's he planning to do on whatever's happened to my cats i i've already lost pinksy beepsy little boy big boy only came back last night i thought i was gonna lose it if i lost miles or glenn or if I, did I mention big boy? Big boy came back. Or Luna or little Luna. I, I don't know if I could just keep on living. And I want to know what's going to go on with what's happening. <laughs> Who the fuck is hurting your cat? We, we both take out and, and cock our guns. <laughs> Give me a name. Give me a name. I just burst out into tears. <laughs> Whoa, fellas, fellas. I love cats too. <laughs> We're all cat lovers here. Uh, let, let me let me get your envelope. And he uh, saunters off into the office. All right. As you stand around waiting, you can see him in the office, rifling through things, throwing things around, clearly disheveled. Uh, you look over and you see one of the doors on the room, room 13. Mm. Uh, the frame is cracked and the door is ajar ever so slightly. You can see about an inch or two into the room. I will do a spot hidden, see if I can see anything else. It is uh, barely successful, but I did make it. Okay. You approach the room, and you look through the crack. You can see that the light is on inside. It's a small room. The bed is made. There's like a little desk next to the bed, a suitcase on the ground. There's a fireplace. 
but there's no one inside. Do I see any signs of foul play? Anything disheveled? Nothing's really disheveled. Just the door frame is cracked. I think we should wait for Phil to come back and ask him some questions about this door frame being busted. A few minutes pass by and Phil comes out and he's holding a couple of different cats and he has the envelope. Here you are. My apologies on the delay. I say, Phil, you look a cool cat yourself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to which I lean over and say, nice to grip. <laughs> He's enamored. He is just ear to ear grinning. And I say, uh, Phil, my man, what happened to that number 13, the door, the door frame? <laughs> he looks over and sees the door and goes, son of a bitch. <laughs> He goes, Charles, storms in. He goes, you broke my door, man. You broke my door. He comes back outside. He's, you know, you cut someone a deal. This was Charles, the census worker that was staying in the room? Yeah, you know, Charles gave him a deal. He's been here He's been here a few weeks now, and he breaks my door. It ain't right. He's nice to the cats, though. I do not like this um, this room that we are near, so I'm going to walk away without explanation. I would like to look in the room. I will not be going in that room. Uh, I am already smoking a cigarette out front. You three can do whatever you want with that room. You go inside. To the right, you can see the fireplace, his luggage. There's a little bedside table. On the bedside table, there's there's a little fortune cookie. It reads, a new environment makes all the difference in the world. Uh, Next to the quote, uh, someone has drawn a little flower. So, Chris, I, I understand you're poking around the ashes in the fireplace? Yes, I, I poke around in them. Uh, so as you poke around, there's a leather page that appears unburned. It's a naked feminine figure, arms open for an embrace. It floats naked before a horrible distortion of the sun, tentacles flowing to greet and embrace. Added to the collection. Starting to feel like this is a weird town. I'll take a peek in his luggage. I'm just going to poke around in there. I don't want to dishevel his things too much. They seem fairly in order. He has clothes. He has a menu for the Tang's restaurant. And he has a check from the Census Bureau that arrived yesterday. Chris. <laughs> all of a sudden, you feel just a just a general unease. Oh, I think I need to get fresh air. I, I saw something, uh, you know, and you get that feeling like there's eels inside of your... Um, in your spine? Does anyone get that sometimes? Oh, I've taken lots of benzos. I know exactly that. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I just need to get some whiskey or uh, potato vodka in me because this is very uncomfortable. I'm going to step outside now. Chris, you walk outside and just start frantically <laughs> clawing at your clothes and you scream into the air <laughs> and you beg for help, screaming for help. <laughs> What happened? Did I miss something? Oh, oh no. Ah! Oh my goodness. Uh, Chris. Ah! Chris. Grab him by the lapels and I say, snap out of it, man. Snap out of it. Ah! I give him a slap. <laughs> you know, I actually give him three slaps. I'm a slap. <laughs> ah! I will slap him as well. Yes. Chris, yes. Do, you want, do you want all of us to slap you? Ah! <laughs> Ask him again. I've got cigarette in mouth. Let's let's slap him at the same time, one on each side. Chris, you pass out. Oh no! Oh dear. Uh, perhaps uh, we give him some of the alcohol in the car. 
He looks like he needs some potato vodka. Not a bad idea. So I think we should get him in the car. Let's get him away from here. I did not trust this motel anyways. My instincts were correct. Uh, note to self. <laughs> Let's get Chris in the car and get some potato vodka in him. Stat. Yes, I'm going to gently be stroking his head to try and calm him and I'll sing a... Yeah, a song I wrote 20, 15, I don't know, 30 years ago. Chris is in the back of the car and he's coming to, frantically sweating. Ugh, it's so hot but cold right now. Oh, Chris, uh, what happens to you? Well, it's, you know, the usual just uh, when the, when you have octopus giving you massage. Does anyone have any yellow? <laughs> any yellow? Uh, who has yellow? Anyone? Stop touching my pockets. Uh... Ah. <laughs> it's very, it's very hot right now. I, I, I must take this off. I begin to remove my jacket. I remove my scarf. I remove my turtleneck. What do we do with this man, everyone? Enos, keep singing to him or something. Okay. Uh, zip. <laughs> I remove my pants. <laughs> And I remove my underwear. Oh, oh my so God. much better. So oh much better. <laughs> I do not like to see me. Uh, I'm going to reach into my, my, my bag and I've got some like assorted pills. I'm not sure what does what, but you might want to have a couple of these. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, I think I will do it. Uh, I'm going to do a psychology check on him. Yes, it is successful. You can see that Chris has had a break with reality. He's having some sort of dissociative episode. He can't seem to sit still. He's not able to be comfortable. Can I try and lead us through an interpretive dance uh, that I learned somewhere in uh, the woods? <laughs> Pull over anywhere. I can do an art and art craft check if you'd like or something like that. Pull over, Skip, please. I'm pulling the car over. Skip, this is an artist's work. This is not anything for anyone but an artist, I think. So you get out of the car. Uh, you're in front of Lucy's. Do an arts and crafts check. I'm just eating the different colored pills that Rose gave me. Oh, whoa, damn it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am so close to making my my art and crafts check, um, so I'm going to use some luck, uh, two luck points to get to get me there. All right. You do an interpretive dance. Lots of breathing exercises. <laughs> I also am, I also take off my clothes to join him. <laughs> I imagine there's lots of like, oh, shh, shh. Yeah, it's oh. like the haka. <laughs> Chris, you feel a little bit more comfortable. You gain one sanity point back. Oh. <laughs> uh, Ines, for conducting the dance, you also gain one sanity point back. Yes. Uh, and you find yourself in front of Lucy's. Would you like to go in? I think yes. I think yes. we've earned it. Absolutely. It's been a terrible day so far. I cannot believe this. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just get dressed first. Yeah, we both must get dressed. We are still in the mood. You get dressed. You go inside of Lucy's. <laughs> Not a lot of people in the bar. There's a few bar flies talking to Lucy. Lucy welcomes you. Uh, welcome back. Uh, potato vodka. Can I offer you one? If, if you could just put it in the pint glass for me, please. She says, oh, rough day, fella. I hear you. Well, look, I'll pour you all a drink. Yes, I will also take large potato vodka. Yeah, we're going to be closing soon. You know, a storm's coming. She pours you drinks. You look around the bar. 
by the stage, you can see a thin man. Oh, who is that? <laughs> I nudge Chris. Fuck. <laughs> I feel so much calmer. I feel more in my body than I've ever been. Is Santa a musician? Yeah, that's, that's him. So Lucy looks over and goes, Rick, one song. One song, Rick. Yeah, okay. So Rick, he's got a uh, 25 appearance rating. <laughs> His clothes are hanging off him. He looks like he hasn't eaten in a few days. He's already drunk. He taps a mic uh, and he pulls out a guitar and he says, all right, this is my one song. We are on the edge of our seats. There's about six people in the bar right now. Oh, it is Rick. Oh. I'm so, this is exactly what we needed. I begin, I begin lapping the potato vodka out of the pint glass like dog. Lucy, one more round. <laughs> Keep him coming. Keep him coming. Crack the oysters, please, Skiff. Crack the oysters. And I just start furiously shucking. Just <laughs> lining them up. So Rick starts coughing. <clears throat> All right. It's my song. It's called Buy Me a Drink. To all the ladies and all the fellas and all you in between and those in the front and those in the back how would you like a little snack with me a little bit of poutine we can go out back and have a little fun just buy me a drink I won't tell anyone Lucy that's enough Rick <laughs> don't let him stop Rick I have a Rick, tear rolling Rick, down my Rick, eye Rick 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 also, Rick looks a little better. He's got like a 45 appearance rating now. It's just like the light has like somehow <laughs> it's glowing around him. If we keep believing in him, he becomes, becomes more sexual. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, I, I'm inspired. I feel rejuvenated. I feel confused. <laughs> Can we uh, get Rick to come drink with us, please? Rick comes over and he says, uh, I w- would you like to buy me a drink? I have no, no greater honor. Of course, uh, 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 Skiff, please buy a drink for this man. I, give Lucy the, I just give Lucy this, and she knows. <laughs> so Lucy pours Rick a drink, and she says, All right, everybody, it's going to be last call. Outside, snow is starting to fall. I'm nervous about the snow, and I would like to entertain Rick back at our home. Perhaps if he wants to come with us. I would, I would love to come home with anyone. Well, yes, you have yourself a deal, then. You better bring that six string, brother. <laughs> Rick straps the guitar to his back and he says, friends, let's go. And he puts his arms over you. You jump in the car and you drive back to the war manor as the snowfall grows thick. And you pull into the driveway. Roll a drive auto. Oof. Seems there's a, maybe a bit of black ice I didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> the car slides and gets stuck in the driveway. Oh, damn it. No one's hurt. You get out of the car. You go back up to the apartment. You have a lovely evening with Rick. Yeah. Marvelous. And then you all go to bed. So a few hours later, Inez, you wake up. No. You had some sort of dream. Okay. Do you recall something about, it was Stella. You go and you look out the window, and it's totally whited out. You smoke a cigarette, kind of relax on the bed, 
You go into the living room and you take the card and you read it again. Inez, to what comes next for us, love Stella. And as you put the card down, you look out the window and a figure is walking up the driveway towards you. Uh. Well, that's all for this evening. Enjoy the respite while you can. The friends of the Bone Chariot are Andy Diaz as Skiff Ruffman and Glenn Hart, Francis Lee as Inez de la Bouche, Justine Sweetman as Rose Young, Sam Reese as Christoph Dabrowski, and Joshua Storms as the narrator. Our website is bonechariot.com. You can contact us by screaming curses at the next blood moon. <laughs> <laughs>